0: Informed Consent, Getting to Yes, is editorially independent content supported with advertising by Johnson & Johnson Vision.
1: Welcome to Informed Consent, Getting to Yes. I'm Marguerite McDonald of the Ophthalmic Consultants of Long Island in Lynbrook, New York.
2: And I'm Rana Jaraha of iWire TV.
1: On this podcast, we talk to leading ocular surgeons, about the specific words they use to honestly and ethically attain buy-in from patients.
2: And in doing so, we'll also learn a lot about their treatment philosophies and how much they believe in, or potentially are skeptical, of these advanced technologies.
1: Today, we'll be focusing on the use of Aura intraoperative aberrometry, which Alcon acquired when they bought WaveTech Vision in 2014. With us are four very successful ocular surgeons who are all believers in the value of this technology. That's right, there are no skeptics today. First, I'd like to introduce Dr. Kendall Donaldson. She is Associate Professor of Clinical Ophthalmology at the Bascom Palmer Eye Institute, which is part of the University of Miami Health System. She's also the Medical Director of the Bascom Palmer site in Plantation, Florida, and Co-Director of the Cornea Fellowship. She specializes in cornea external disease, cataract and refractive surgery, and has a national and international reputation So it's our great pleasure and honor to have her with us today. Thank you. Next is Dr. Bill Wiley, the medical director of the Cleveland Eye Clinic. Thank you so much for taking the time to give us your perspective.
3: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: Our third prominent cataract surgeon is making a return appearance. She's the founder and CEO of Stevenson Eye Associates in Venice, Florida, Dr. D. Stevenson.
4: Thank you, Marguerite.
1: And finally, another return guest, my colleague, Dr. Russ Famuso, the director of office design and development at Oakley, has just a few thoughts to add as well.
5: Oh, thank you very much, Marguerite.
1: What a great group. Absolutely. So let's get started. Let's begin with Dr. Wiley. Bill, you are one of the world's leaders in intraoperative aberrometry reading. So tell us a little about it, and then we'll get to how you would explain that to a patient.
3: Sure. So uh, intraoperative aberrometry is a device that uh, connects to the microscope to give you information uh, during cataract surgery. In particular, it can take a Uh, an aphagic refraction that can help give you information on the spherical power of the lens, uh, both the sphere power and the cylinder power. It can also take pseudophagic images and and give you information on astigmatism and positioning of a torque eye well or or, uh, placement of a limbal relaxing incision. So in general, it's a a great tool to help improve the accuracy of uh, hitting that distance target or near target. Uh, getting the correct lens and the correct astigmatism, correction, and alignment.
1: Kendall, you've also been using interoperative aberrometry for a long time. Before we get to what you say to patients, why don't you tell us when you use it and why you use it?
0: We've been using Aura interoperative aberrometry for um, almost 10 years at baskin Palmer's. We had Orange back in around 2008, and um, we've sort of watched the evolution of this technology over the last basically 9 or 10 years now and um, it's gotten much better, it's gotten faster, more efficient, and it's really become an essential part of my practice, uh, both for our upgraded packages, um, our presbyopia packages, our astigmatism correction packages, and for our patients who have a history of prior refractive surgery. With every passing year, we have more of those patients reaching cataract age, and so we're using uh, Aura with those patients uh, all the time, actually, every week. I can't remember the last day I went to the operating room without using intraoperative aberrometry,
3: actually. In our practice, we use intraoperative aberrometry for all our premium cases. So anybody that's choosing to pay an additional uh, fee for, uh, let's say, astigmatism correction or presbyopia correction, we use that as a tool to help better hit that target. There are cases that um, we use it on on, uh, traditional cataract surgery. If I have uh, uh, challenges in getting the biometry, if I don't have confidence in the biometry, um, if there's, uh, if the patient's had previous surgery or I have questions um, or if I'm just not not sure about the exact lens uh, choice, I'll use that as well for uh, traditional uh, cases. But typically we use it in our uh, premium upgraded patients.
1: So even if someone uh, is getting a monofocal IOL, but they have chosen femto, for instance, they would get intraoperative aer- aberrometry.
3: That's right. That's right. So anytime that, I guess when the patients are coming in with that heightened, Expectation, and typically that's you know going along with the premium or a femto. But sometimes you have that patient that, that's choosing basic surgery, but they have they still have that heightened expectation. So often I'll, I'll make a small note in the chart, you know, uh, you know critical observer, uh, you know, declined premium surgery. But I still want to make sure I give the best possible outcome with the tools I have, and so we'll use Aura uh, or intraoperative aberrometry for those patients as well.
2: Dr. Stevenson, what about you?
3: I'm almost at 100% of doing aberometry
4: on patients. I do charge for it, charges incorporated into my three packages, but you can also get a manual with a monofocal lens, and, and I highly recommend the aber- interoperative aberometry with Verify Plus. I was the first commercial um, user of Orange in the day, and uh, it has you know progressed into a pretty darn good. Um, Abarometer. It's like the GPS. A GPS on your car. You don't get in your car nowadays without using your GPS. And the aura for me is my GPS. You know, I've gotten really good preoperatively in the office by um, using uh, like Cassini, um, which is incorporated to my lensar. So it does cyclotorsion and iris registration. So I have a and it. And Cassini measures total corneal astigmatism, anterior and posterior, so we, have that, we don't have that posterior surprise. So going into surgery, I'm much more prepared than I was in the past, and aura was the only thing that I depended on. Usually, if push comes to shove, I always go with aura.
0: Surprises always make me nervous, and uh, I really like to have everything in line. You know, I go through all sorts of calculations preoperatively. I always go to the ASCRS website, and you know, I have a range of lenses, and sometimes I may bring you know five six eight lenses into the operating room and I get nervous if I fall outside of that range if I bring eight lenses into the room based on my preoperative calculations um, and I'm outside of that range that would make me very nervous but you know still you know if I have three or four then you know I almost always kind of fall within that range just but sometimes we have these patients that had high level ablations maybe they were extremely myopic in the past we don't have any old history or any records on these patients. And for those patients, I might have more lenses that I bring into the room and there's more variability. But uh, yes, it makes me real nervous if I fall outside of the range. And of those eight or 10 lenses I brought into the room, Aura is telling me something outside of that range. And in that case, you know, I'll repeat the measurements multiple times with Aura. And I'll look at the patient and try to figure out, well, maybe there's something unusual about this patient. For example, the lid speculum may be pressing on the globe or I may have had a bit of corneal edema, the wound, um, something that could throw off my intraoperative aberrometry. So a lot of time maybe they have severe ocular surface disease or anything like that, that um, can also throw off your intraoperative aberrometry. So a lot of times you can reason through it, why you have a surprise and kind of make sense of it. But um, you know I'd like to see everything be consistent and kind of fall into, into place. Um, but you're right, every once in a while you have a surprise. But usually, if you really think through it, you can think why this patient might be an outlier.
1: Dr. Famuso, do you have anything to add? Well,
5: as we're seeing, the baby boomers who had LASIK are now coming into the age where they're getting cataracts. We have people coming in who've had previous LASIK surgery 10, 15 years ago. There's no records of what their exams were prior to LASIK surgery. So now how do we determine what would be the right implant for them at the right power? Uh, previous to WaveTech, there was always that uh, crapshoot. We had all the different formulas we used, but there was always that high uh, percentage of people, relatively high, who would have to go back and have the lens swapped out. Uh, yeah, I tell people that uh, with WaveTech, that percentage drops significantly compared to the past.
0: PKs are tough, and also prior RK. Um, the RK patients, that really have a lot of cuts. So those patients with 16... RK incisions, you know, and a couple AK incisions thrown in there, and some of those incisions can become hydrated during your case, and uh, that type of thing can really throw you off. You know, I would say that's still the weak area with intraoperative aberrometry. You know, over the last five to eight years or so, those measurements have gotten better and better, but still with those patients, with more cuts, I'm targeting for a little bit more myopia, so I might target minus one, expecting a hyperopic shift over the month or so following surgery. That being said, it's gotten so much better. And those patients with four cuts or eight cuts are pretty reliable now. So I find that uh, intraoperative has really gotten stronger and stronger, even in those patients. But you have to be careful.
5: I just did the second eye of a post-RK patient uh, this past week. Uh, and uh, it was almost on the money for the first eye uh, compared to what I calculated. I landed up putting in the lens that WaveTech uh, recommended and she was spot on almost 20-20 minus uncorrected when she healed. Her left eye uh, was done this past week, and again, uh, the lens itself was about half a diopter, uh, different from what I had calculated using the ASCRS uh, uh, tool. Uh, And uh, one day post-op, she was about 20-30 minus uh, in that eye. I think she might get better, but uh, I was very happy that I had WaveTech on that particular patient. It was more difficult, though, I must say. Uh, Unlike people with LASIK, doing wave tech on people with RK, sometimes it does take multiple, multiple readings before you can have a confident reading.
2: It's interesting that everyone agrees how helpful Aura is for patients who have had previous refractive surgery, particularly RK.
1: That's definitely the consensus. So now let's focus in on what you say to patients about Aura.
4: D? What I tell them is I tell them that it is an apparatus on my microscope that allows me to get one more reading on the table in real time once your cataract are remo- once your cataract is removed, to be able to to make the selection of the IOL more precise. Um, I go in with great knowledge, but I can change the, uh, power of that lens right there on the table uh, before I, I don't have to do it after I put the lens in, I can do it before. So it's one more safety measure and one more precision measure that I use after your cataract is removed. And again, too, with astigmatism, I say that it's such a help with the astigmatism because in a, uh, a study I did on TrueLine, set, I, I changed the power of the toric 73% of the time out of over 116 patients. It's very, very, Um, important to me and my success and it it is what I've hung my hat on the last eight or eight or so years, nine years. So the conversations you have with patients, you have to really customize them for the patient. Mostly what I've tried to get away from is telling the patient that this is the lens that I'm going to use. I try to get away from that. I say we have several options and once I get you to the operating room and do Aura, then I will refine what I do. I give them kind of an idea So it's in my package, and I will give them details about the technology. But not all patients need to know all of that or want to know all of that.
1: Did you find that you were, in general, going up on the torque power or down, or was it a scatter?
4: It's a scatter. Against the rule, we increase and. With the rule, we decrease. So it's really allowed me to um, really fine-tune it. There's more people with against the rule out there, I think, than there are with the rule.
3: In my practice, we use intraoperative ambulatory as part of a package, and um, we typically don't market it or or push it or sell it. Uh, The patients are coming in, and I discuss, you know, what is your visual goal? And uh, are you looking to see better distance, or are you looking to see better distance and near and then the patients will tell me what they're looking for, and I'll use what tools I have to achieve that goal. So maybe it's a, a toric lens, or maybe it's a presbyopic lens, or maybe it's femto, maybe it's Aura. And uh, so, in general, kind of goal oriented or refractive target oriented, and we'll use the uh, device that I think is going to help you know hit that target. So, in general, I'm not having a lot of discussion about Aura or intraoperative aberrometry, but but it does come up. Patients will ask, you know. Dr. Wiley, how do you know you've picked the correct lens?
1: So how do you know you are going to pick the correct lens for me, Dr. Wiley?
3: Sure. Well, Mrs. Smith, you know, uh, I know that's a a common fear. Some patients are worried or they may have known a relative that they feared had had the wrong lens placed. Uh, In reality, it's extremely uncommon. Um, We do a lot of testing um, uh, before surgery to to assure that we have uh, the correct uh, measurements for your lens. But in addition to that, we have an insurance policy uh, that we call intraoperative aberrometry that can help, you know, number one, pick the lens on the table and confirm the the preoperative choice, but also after we place that lens inside the eye, I can take a reading and confirm that we've picked the correct lens. So we have sort of uh, three shots at uh, uh, picking that lens for you. Number one, with preoperative information, that gets us close. Number two, with intraoperative uh, information after the cataract's removed, now we have a clear you know, vis- you know, sight of the eye and can, and can get better measurements, so we can pick uh, the correct lens with that apheic, uh measurement once the cataract's removed. And finally, after we put that new lens in, we can repeat the measurements to double-check that it's uh, the right lens for your eye. Rarely, after that final measurement, there may be uh, a reading that looks abnormal, and sometimes we will uh, take that lens out and place a new lens in. That's pretty uncommon, but at least we, we can do it at the time of surgery. With all that being said, even though we go through a, a, a lot of um, work to, to assure that you're getting the correct lens, there is some things that are outside of our control. After we put the lens in, we're on the table it will be correct, but what's outside of my control is how does your eye heal? Uh, during a healing process, the lens could heal a little bit more forward or a little bit more back, or if it's a torque lens, the lens could adjust that changes of the prescription. So there's a chance it could be right on the table, but you might have a, sm- a small prescription in the, in the future. Typically, that's less than 5% of the time. But if that were to occur, we can do a secondary surgery, maybe adjusting that lens or doing LASIK afterwards to fine-tune things. So, so uh, uh, in summary, we'll assure we get the right lens, but for some reason, if your eye heals in a way that uh, leaves you with a prescription, we can always fine-tune it later.
0: Informed Consent, Getting to Yes, is editorially independent content supported with advertising by Johnson & Johnson Vision.
1: How do you explain Aura to those patients who you feel strongly would benefit from its
2: use? I'd also like to know if you do most of the explaining, or if you have a surgical coordinator who discusses their options either before or after you meet the patient.
0: Actually, I talk to them first, um, and I have a whole spiel about uh, traditional cataract surgery and upgraded cataract surgery, and Aura is integrated into all of that. So I like to introduce these concepts to them myself first. And then my surgical coordinator goes over it with them again. And then um, my basically photographer, um, imager, she goes over it with them yet a third time. And so, you know, they hear it from me first, and then I make a recommendation. And I think we have so many options in cataract surgery. Now, patients can really get overwhelmed and very confused. I'll say, you know, all these options are available. But for you, this is what I would recommend after speaking with you and you're telling me that this is important to you. This is my recommendation. So I try to leave everyone with a recommendation, but I give them all the same spiel. So even if they have macular degeneration and they're, they're not a candidate for multifocal technology and they're not a great candidate for aura, I still tell them, you know, there are all these things you're going to hear about, but this is what I recommend in your situation. And you'll hear more about this in a few minutes from my surgical coordinator. And so then I write that in the chart, you know, what I've chosen for this patient. And then the conversation goes from there. Or is included in all of our upgraded packages, like i was said before, so I don't really have much of a discussion with the patient. We basically have two upgraded packages at Baskin-Palmer, and so we're selling patients an outcome, not not a technology. We're selling them their astigmatism correction, or we're selling them presbyopia correction and or is included in those packages they like to hear technology type words you know just like they like to hear the word laser or they like to hear that you're getting you're using extra computers to you know make things more accurate like they like those words Um, but anything that that gives them that level of security about their outcome um, you know I think is helpful for patients and they they appreciate that tell them you know we'll be making these extra measurements I'll have you assist with these measurements during your case and that's called interoperative avarometry, but that's something that we use to align your torque lens during surgery to get you better astigmatism correction or, you know, to adjust your um, incisions that we're using to correct your astigmatism. So I'll say that's part of that package. I also tell my patients who have had any type of corneal refractive procedure in the past that I don't feel comfortable doing their case without intraoperative avarometry. That gives me the extra security to give them the best possible outcome and, um, you know, I tell them this is how I've been doing my cases for many years, and I feel that this is an essential tool to, to get them to where we want them to be. So I strongly, strongly recommend it for those patients uh, with a history of refractive surgery. So I do speak that strongly to them.
1: And most of the time, do they, they agree with you and they, they plan for it and they, they pay the extra upgrade cost?
0: They do. Not, they don't always pay, but honestly, um, you know, since I'm in an academic institution, if they can't afford it, we have some wiggle room to be able to to uh, do that for the patient anyway and give them that technology. So you know, I do have the ability to do that, um, you know, in an academic center.
1: Bill, let me ask you about a situation I run into occasionally. I'll have someone who has an old four-cut RK and they say they don't want anything extra. They want basic phaco, no FEMTO. They're a bad candidate for a multifocal even in extended depth of focus IOL. But they want nothing special. On the other hand, I know that I will do a much better job of IOL selection using interoperative aberrometry. So you've got someone with their arms folded and do you, do you spend extra time explaining how the RK uh, makes it a challenge or do you just ab- absorb the cost and stop the conversation and just somehow eat sure. it, so to
3: speak? Those are uh, challenging conversations. And in some regard, an easy answer is the patient chooses not um, um, to do the upgrade. And I'll and, and I'll make a small note, and then I'll actually use or assure that I've uh, uh, picked the correct line. So I, I'm hoping that that patient's going to have a lower expectation. And I'll use a tool that at the time is not costing me costing me anymore because uh we have a a monthly fee that allows us to use unlimited aura so it takes me time but but uh at least when i do that measurement uh it's not costing me for that case and so i'm using the the best tools i have and hopefully can exceed that patient's expectation so so often in those cases I'll, i'll recommend the patient do an upgrade and i'll tell them the upgrade includes other surgeries if we do miss i said even with uh uh, interoperative aberrometry. there's a chance of missing target, but your upgrade would include a uh, lens adjustment or LASIK or PRK or whatever it takes to get you within that range. So they, uh, it's a valuable package. If they opt not to have it, I'll do my best to hit it with that one, uh, the first shot. And for some reason, if we do miss target um, and the patient does want to do LASIK or something else later, it would then be an additional cost to them. And I try to lay that out and say, you know what, if I were you, I would... Um, Choose the package. It'll give you the best chance to get the best uh, vision. And uh, if we need to do anything, it's all covered. And if they do that, great. If they don't, I'm hoping I'll I'll, uh, exceed their expectations uh, and use what I can uh, that's within our affordability.
1: The um, ASC that I'm currently using has a, a little different relationship every time we use the Aura, we pay for it. So on occasion, if we find someone who just refuses it, they just won't pay, they can't pay, whatever, Uh, we'll go ahead and use it anyway and pay for it ourselves. Uh, It's very rare, because you can um, dig yourself into a hole pretty quickly that way. But once in a while, we just say, you know, this is going to stack the deck so much in favor, even
3: though the patient has refused it, we'll just use it anyway. Right. And that brings up uh, a a great kind of question. If... If you do use it uh, and, and give it away, let's say free in that, in that instance, and it does cost you money, you know, it, it can work against you, the, your staff can start to see that you're giving it away free, and they might say, you know what, you might not really have to pay for that upgrade. You know, uh, The doctor's going to do it for free anyways. And then all of a sudden, then you might see a, a, a uh, sort of uh, decreased conversion rate. So it's a fine line. You want to do the right thing, but over time, you don't want to sort of erode. Uh, the value of the packages that you're charging for. So it is a conflicting uh, issue.
1: Kendall, you said earlier that you give all your patients the same spiel. Let's say I'm a patient who has had a four cut RK and I'm a good candidate for a toric lens. How would you inform me of my options? Including aura, of course.
0: With my RK patients, I don't like to make any incisions with the femtosecond laser, but I'll tell them, you know, traditional cataract surgery is done with ultrasound. ultrasound is done through a tiny incision on the side of the eye. The ultrasound breaks up the solid cataract, which is the lens inside the eye that has grown cloudy and denser with time. It turns it from a solid into a liquid that then can be sucked out of the eye through that small tube, and then a new lens is injected through that uh, small incision. We also have several upgrades with cataract surgery. Most of our upgrades are done with laser cataract surgery, which was approved about five years ago, and this gives us extra degrees of precision, allows us to put less energy into the eye, and allows us to correct astigmatism more accurately. So in your case, since you have regular astigmatism, patients can have either irregular astigmatism or regular astigmatism, and luckily in your case, you have regular astigmatism, which is much easier to correct. We actually have customized lenses. We can put that prescription with your astigmatism inside the eye, which can make your distance vision or your near vision much, much more precise. And the, the correction is much more precise and give you crisper vision so you can get more freedom from glasses. Nowadays, we also have presbyopia correcting lenses that correct distance and near and even astigmatism. And that may or may not be um, good for you, you know, because you've had RK. You know, I tend to do a monofocal toric lens as opposed to multifocal toric lenses. So that's my preference in RK patients. So then I would just basically talk to them about um, monofocal toric lenses. Some of these patients have had monovision before. If they've had monovision before, you know, I tell them that's a very comfortable thing since they're already used to it. You know, they could easily adapt to having that done permanently with the toric intraocular lenses. And so we also use Aura in these cases. Aura allows us to um, correct the astigmatism much more precisely and align that custom lens perfectly, you know, as perfectly as possible with the steep axis. And I show them their topography, and most of them can can understand, you know, any type of picture that we have in ophthalmology, whether it be related to cataract surgery or other pictures, patients just love images, and it really helps them understand what's going on with their, their eye. You know, I think if we can create a partnership with the patient, and help them understand why we're doing what we're doing, it makes them all that more involved in the process and much more invested in the process and getting the best outcome. You know, I also tell them this is an investment for a lifetime. These lenses are made to last a lifetime. Your vision is uh, you want to make an investment in your vision because this is one opportunity in life that you have to completely change and correct your vision. Um, And so this is the last great opportunity that you have too. So I think it is a good investment to buy the, or purchase the best lens possible if you're interested in gaining more freedom from glasses. This is a great opportunity. I love
1: the fact that you touch on the technology, which uh, does impress
2: them, but that you're really talking about outcomes. That's great information, Dr. Donaldson.
1: Absolutely. This has been great. Does anyone have any closing thoughts about
3: Aura? Sure. I think um, with Aura, I th- I, it's a great uh, way to discuss outcomes and uh, really t- kind of discussing with the patient what their goals are and um, in, and then use or as a tool to kind of achieve those outcomes and have confidence that you're using the greatest technology uh, uh, at your availability to, to achieve those. So I think um, uh, patients can sense that confidence uh, when you're getting better results and better outcomes. You'll have uh, more confidence in discussing it with them. Your staff will have more confidence. And so uh, it sort of helps you know increase that conversion rate when you have that tool um, you know, at your uh, disposal. Wave tech is not as hard as people think. It is basically
5: once you've been with someone who can do it efficiently – it's pretty straightforward. Uh, It really is. It's just a a matter of of like learning about head position, where the eye is. The equipment is very straightforward. I think once you do a few of them, you kind of get the knack that, okay, this is exactly what I need to do to get the best readings.
0: I think eventually everyone will have the opportunity to have custom cataract surgery, uh, you know, in the future. And someday it will become the standard of care. Of course, all these things are upgrades now, not covered by insurance, but, um, you know, who knows, you know, at some point, if it does become the standard of care, everyone's just going to have this customized you know, package for, for cataract surgery.
1: This was wonderful. I've learned so much from our participants today. We're so grateful for your expertise. Rana and I would also like to thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us for the next episode of Informed Consent, Getting to Yes.
0: Informed Consent, Getting to Yes, is editorially independent content supported with advertising by Johnson & Johnson Vision.